0: The Best Bits This is a second rate
1: show Juggernaut of a podcast
0: Where we watch Flop And see if we like it One
1: please Hello and welcome to The Best Bits second rate show Where we flash back to a random week of release And give a second chance to a film we didn't see the first time This is Kevin again And I'm joined by Will again Hello again Hello Will How are you Kevin? I'm grand again. It's the middle of summer. <laughs> we're back in our little. It is. We're going back in our time machine again. Isn't it lovely? We're back in our little hovel. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> yep. We've flashed back this year to 1984, which was a great year for movies. Uh, I think when people talk about standout years for films, two of them that come up an awful lot are 1999 and 1984. Yes. Um, what was going on in the world back then? I was too young to remember anything. I remember it, and Kevin, it was a hot one. We've
0: actually covered, for some reason, not for some, by pure accident, a lot of the years we've covered so far have been hot summers. I know generally summers are hot, but sometimes you have a wet summer, like 1986
1: was a bad summer. How do you remember that? I just remember it. Isn't it we think of every summer of our childhood as being a hot summer? I'm telling you, no, because 1986 was a
0: pisser. It was shit I remember floods I remember it just being so wet But I can remember 84 and 85 being scorchers Um, Yeah, so But let me give you an overview, Kevin Of what was going on in the broader world In the July 27th, 1984 Well, as I said, temperatures were hot It was actually quite warm across the globe As evenings got longer and longer In America the song When Doves Cry by Prince Is top of the singles charts And over in the UK mm-hmm. Two Tribes by Frankie Goes to Hollywood Is number one hit song oh. The radio stations not a dirty song E, Two Tribes oh, No that's no, the, the other one relax. The, yeah. <laughs> It's Relax It's <Yeah>, Relax, <laughs> relax. <laughs> I, I, it had to be pointed out to me In the lecture <laughs> Yeah what was going on in that song <laughs> Uh, radio stations in 1984 Were dominated by artists Such as George Michael Stevie Wonder Wham Cindy Lauper And Frankie Goes to Hollywood Which you've already mentioned If you were to travel back To this day Notable figures such as Truman, Capoli David Hoffman, And Rock Hudson Would still be alive while on TV, people are watching. <laughs> Why do we always mention that? I don't know, because it's on this little fact list, facts, uh, fact paragraph I have here. On TV, such a uh, popular show. some to be shows.
1: dead celebrities.
0: <laughs> it's like, wow, they were still alive. Well done. On, on TV, yeah. people were watching Columbo, Dallas, Scarecrow and Mrs. King*, and Kate and Ali. Meanwhile... Players. I don't know those last two shows.
1: What's Scarecrow and Mrs. King oh, and Kate
0: and That's where we're showing our age difference, because I remember both of those. I remember Scarecrow and Mrs. King. It was kind of like a um, Remington Steel type was it an scenario. Was show? Yeah, it was an American oh. show. It was a Rem- Remington, Remington Steel type show, if I remember correctly. I
1: remember Remington Steel.
0: Yeah, it was a bit like that, but it's all like a, I kind of... Anyway, I don't... I I'm, I'm a, what, what was Kate and it was a comedy show, I'm pretty sure. It was like a sitcom thing. I'm Ch- in. Okay. Hey, if you were playing games, you would have been playing Space Invaders, Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, and Tetris. And uh, I'm going to give you Tetris. some local news, Kevin. In Ireland uh, this week... The Dublin Area Rapid Transit, also known as the DART Rail Service, was just about to be inaugurated, which is the service between Hoth, Hoth and Bray. It's been
1: going that long? Since wow.
0: 1984? Yeah, yeah. And, in this week, the, the good old workers in Dunstores and Henry, du- Henry Street, Dublin,
1: refused to handle South African produce as a protest against apartheid. Now, that I do remember, I... I th- well, I don't remember it happening at the time, but I remember there was a sort of um, one of those uh, look-back shows right. on RT about 10, 20 years Reeling ago. Reeling in the years. Reading up. Yeah, Reeling in the Years. That would have been it. Brilliant and show. It, uh, they were talking about the apartheid strikes mm. and that the solidarity strikes with um, the um, South Africans that wanted equality. Mm-hmm. And one of the nice things is that it's probably not as stark today, but it still goes on where Ireland has great solidarity with the people of Palestine.
0: And, yep. um, yeah, so. and, and the uh, the Indian tribes of America, as a matter of fact. The Choctaw Nation, yep. the, Ireland has a big connection with them as well. I'm sure a lot of our listeners what already know. was the
1: knows. big news just recently with them? Was there a Twin Cities type thing? Well, what happened was like during
0: that. lockdown, what the big news was during lockdown, not lockdown, but like COVID, yeah, lockdown, uh, the Choctaw the Choctaw Nation tribes.
1: Did you lock down during COVID, or were you just having constant parties? Well, <laughs>
0: oh yeah, I had the uh, cinema party. So I was in full full swing, and at uh, the roof of my <laughs> shade. I know we were. It was keg gate. <laughs> we was locked down, but yeah, the, during lockdown, the Native American people uh, were hit uh, really badly with uh, w- with COVID. And as an act of solidar- solidarity, some Irish reporter just put out there that I'm going to do a GoFundMe to give back to the Indian nation. What, oh, that was it. What yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Because they gave to us during the famine, which was incredible back in the 1840s. Yes. Yeah, what a story. Incredible story. Yeah, and I suppose it's worth a detour. In the 1840s, now, the Choctaw tribe were being, they were had been ejected from their lands, were put into reservations at the time. Mm-hmm. They had nothing. Yet they heard about the suffering of the Irish people in the 1840s across the Atlantic. And they pulled together whatever money they could and sent it over to help support them, which was an incredible act of generosity. genuinely,
1: like, remarkable, though?
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. And that GoFundMe raised a couple of million. Imagine that. And it really helped out those people in that particular time. Hey, do you want Aren't we great? Ah, oh, it was nice. That's a nice, that's a nice positive story. <laughs> Humans aren't shit. All. They're it not is. all shit. You know, we can be great when we want to be. We really can. Do you want to hear, I've got two news headlines from the UK from that weekend in 1984. Do you want to hear them? No, not really. All right, we'll just skip on to the movies, so do I know. <laughs> do I know. We've got, we've got <laughs> UK news. Tell me, tell listeners. me, tell me. Well, in that weekend, Neil Kinnock he had His hopes of becoming Prime Minister were given a huge boost because there was a poll that put him three points, uh, Labour three points ahead of the Conservatives uh, putting him on, on 40%. Unfortunately, that didn't come to fruition because he never became Prime Minister. But the other news from this week, which I really like, was that a magnitude earthquake of five point four on the it was an epicenter of um lin of the Lynn Peninsula in North Wales struck that area, and it was felt throughout the United Kingdom in that week in nineteen eighty four. Now
1: Imagine that. I wonder what caused that. That might have been mining, or it just could have been the shifting of ta tecti- the plates. <laughs> could have
0: been. Just, just the sh- who can the tell? Of who blades, can tell? <laughs> or Hang on a second. He was. Do you know what caused it? It's because I wouldn't go to bed, and, s- and my parents said, "God's going to punish you somehow." <laughs> and sure enough, he caused an earthquake. I'm no scientist;
1: it could have been anything. <laughs> okay, well, I can tell you oh. what was on in the cinema in 1984 in the U.S. cinema. I haven't a clue. It'd be nice to be I, able I, to look I, back. Go on. It'd be nice to be able to look back on what was. Um, available on the irish box office but we didn't keep records yeah so we're back to looking at the u.s box office we couldn't be arsed kevin what, that was yeah we couldn't be fucking arsed <laughs> Go on. well it's even difficult today because the irish charts are lumped in with the um uk yeah so it's hard to pass what is the top 10 at the cinema in ireland right who knows yep Fascinating isn't it Okay <laughs> I, uh, I want to know What the top 10 is Go on I'm going to tell you What the top 14 is How's oh, that Oh
0: I'm excited Right Let's see how many of these I've actually seen
1: And I'm going to reverse it I'm going to start At the number one film And I'm going to count down Because the film that I chose Came in in last place So Ooh. Number one at the box office This day in 1984 Was Ghostbusters and it was the this, this summer of Ghostbusters. It was a, a massive monumental hit that. And at the time of uh, our film being released, it had made $130 million. Uh, Number two was a new release. It was Best Defense. And it was the second film out that summer by Eddie Murphy. This one starring himself and Dudley Moore. Uh, of course, B- Beverly Hills Cop was smashing. It was the most popular film of that year. I never even Number three heard was of Gremlins. That. Go on. I never heard of that. I was considering it for this, but the reviews were not that strong. Okay. Number four was The NeverEnding Story, uh, another new release. Number five was The Karate Kid. Number six was Last Starfighter. Seven was The Muppets Take Manhattan. Eight was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Nine was Bachelor Party. Ten was Conan the Destroyer. Eleven was another new release and it was Revenge of the Nerds. Number twelve was Cannonball Run 2. Thirteen... Was Star Trek 3 The Search for Spock? And the film that I chose was the fifth film to be released that weekend. And it only lasted two weeks in the cinema before it was pulled. <laughs> and it is Electric Dreams. <gasps> Oh, am going to play a trailer <laughs> Go on What's your preference? Apple, pear, whang? Oh listen, I don't know anything about computers Nobody does
0: Miles just bought a computer to help organize his life
1: He got more than he bargained for
0: You're talking You talk? no. Madeline just moved in upstairs Miles is in love
1: can't play that for her. I want to squeeze you, lift you, puck her up, and kiss you. You make her sound like a lemon. I don't know what love is.
0: You've never told me what it feel like. It can give you strength. It can make you weak. That's not compute. If a computer can learn about love,
1: it's bound to know jealousy. I want to meet. And once that happens, things get electric. It's taken control of my house. It's gotten to the wiring. You're dang electric dreams. Alright, so Electric Dreams. Yeah. I can tell you, Will, this was one that I'd never even heard of. It's basically like a very loose adaptation of Serrano de Bergerac. Yeah. A guy falls in love with a girl that lives next door who plays the cello. Mm-hmm. And he has a state of the art computer that, for some reason, develops sentience <laughs> and helps him to woo this girl. And he teaches the computer about love. And it's a very slight story, it has a lot of similarities with her which Spike Jones claims he never saw and he wasn't aware of before he did his movie when you mentioned the title I went I've the title is familiar
0: for some reason but I've never heard of a film called Electric Dreams and it wasn't until I was watching the film I went ah there's a song called Electric Dreams okay so that's what the title Together is in
1: Electric Dreams yeah, is that the name the title of the song? yeah Together in Electric Dreams yeah oh, okay, a massive hit song and I was unaware that it was the theme tune from this film <gasps> Wow, oh my God. Well, okay, right, right, mm-hmm. right, right right.
0: And it's the closing song of this film as well. that's uh, Spyler alert. oh sorry, sorry 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 that's what it, <laughs> that's what I would it dawned to me. Ah, I know this. So yeah, <laughs> I never heard of this film. I've seen most of those films that came out that weekend and this was never on my radar probably because it was only in the cinemas for two weeks and vanished maybe not barely got a VHS release. also
1: maybe because you weren't living in America. Okay.
0: Did it not get released here at all?
1: No, it we went straight to video here. Oh. Um, the the director is an English guy who was born in Ireland. A guy called Steve Barron. No way. And Steve Barron, yeah, Steve Barron, up until this point was well known for his music videos. He'd done "Take on Me," the uh, uh, animated music video to "Aha." He'd done um, Billie Jean for Michael Jackson. He'd done music videos for all the major artists at the time, Madonna and and what have you. And I think when he came to doing this film, which was his first film, I think he applied a lot of those skills to directing of this film.
0: What I love about this process is that I do know the person who's hosting does the kind of background research and the other person goes in blind, doesn't look at any of the credits of the people involved. So I... I didn't even know the name of the director, but one of my top notes of this film is that this film looks like an extended music video, and you can see music video vibes in its aesthetic throughout, and particularly the music uh, montages that are employed here. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 so it was so clear that the people involved in this were were top 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 class music producers, music video producers. So that's good to know.
1: Yeah. So it was his first film. Mm. It was also the actor's first sort of starring vehicles. Virginia Madsen is the female lead, and she was coming off of Dune. And this was her chance to be a leading lady in a film. Yeah. Uh, Lenny Von Dolan, it was also um, his first time to uh, to headline a movie. It was the screenwriter's first major credit. um, And there's a lovely documentary uh, about... making it a film that you can find on YouTube as well as this film you can find this film on YouTube as well and it's in pristine condition so I would recommend you know seeking it out and having a look at it but I watched a little documentary on the film after having seen it because I went in blind as well you know I don't want to preempt anything so I want to sort of let the film wash over me and take advantage of the fact that I don't know anything about it Mm. and sort of draw my own conclusions before I then sort of look into you know what the the backstory was of, of how it came together but There's a lovely documentary where Virginia Madsen and Lenny Von Dolan are sort of talking about the experience of making the film. It was the director's first film, the writer's first film. It was their first time to headline a movie and they just had this wonderful um wistful experience making this summery movie about love with great music by Giorgio Moroder and i think that vibe that energy that they had sort of translates into the film can i ask you a question about that documentary is that a a, Go for a, it. a
0: contemporary documentary is it was it like is it just, was it like epk stuff where they were shoot the documentary was shot on set or is this no. uh, special features thing done after the fact
1: it was a look it was a retrospective documentary so it was done quite recently in the last 10 years. Oh really? I thought it was very sweet because Virginia Madsen talks about this so highly. It essentially in her own words fell in love with Lenny Von Dolan and they're still best friends to this day. Wow. And yeah she just says, you know, the fact that they had the writer on set for the the entire uh, uh production which she said is very rare. Um and it is and it being a dream come true for him and a dream come true for her and and the director. And she said that it spoiled her for the rest of her career because nothing was ever as good as the experience of making that movie that summer in 1983, I imagine.
0: But also, I thought this film was a... a, It actually preempts a lot of the smart home technology that we have today. This computer, once it's plugged in, it uh, has the ability to brew coffee... Uh, dial the phone. It's the home security for the house where it they can lock. It becomes to, a smart home. It's a smart home. Yeah, it becomes a smart home. Before the smart homes and everything that the computer does is kind of what smart homes can do to now. So I was like going, "Wow, this is incredibly prescient for
1: its day for a film like you know how many, was it was nearly thirty-five years ago, whatever it is now." The the computer is voiced by Bud Cort from Harold and Maude. He's Harold. Oh, so. right. Okay, he had an extensive career, because and he searching. kept himself hidden from the cast. Can I ask you a question? Was, uh, so he was on set. So was Budcourt Court on set? Yes, he was, and he was in a box. Oh shit! He put himself into a carbo box so that they couldn't see him and they couldn't interact with him.
0: <laughs> and, um, no way! <laughs> I just googled who the cinematographer cinematographer was, and it's a guy called uh, Alex Thompson. Who shot Lab- yeah, Labyrinth? who has a great career. Or oh, you know, Labyrinth, Legend. So he did these around the same time: uh, Alien Three, Demolition Man, Excalibur, Cliffhanger. Uh, he did. He did. Mm-hmm. Brandis Hamlet did keep with um, Michael Mann. God, he's some career this guy. Wow! And I think it looks like that. One of the one of the incredible things about this film is absolutely how it looks and
1: particularly the scenes where we see the computer on its own
0: <laughs> and it's almost like an apple advert
1: it is it's based on an apple i think the computer they call they call it in the movie is pinecone sort of a riff on apple but um that big back computer uh, geez, it, it it's a real throwback no oh, you look
0: absolutely at it. and i i because i watched this Twice because it was such a quick film, I kind of just went back over just to try and... Did you? Yeah, I watched it last night and then today I scanned through oh, right. it. so how
1: did enough. it feel
0: then you slept through it? I, I skipped through it. I kind of like, you know, skipped through oh. it today. Um, and we're talking about the cinematography and every scene, in every single scene, there was at least one shot that I absolutely loved. I really loved. Even there's a kind of a shot that I, I, I didn't know how they pulled off. Where the camera moves between the computer, let's say the, the, the the tower of the computer. Keys. They, uh, well, the keys is like a miniature shop, but this kind of pulls a bit out between the computer and uh, and faces the main actor. And I, I really didn't know how they pulled it off. Did they, used, did they use miniatures or something like that? It just was incredible. But even in the kind of a pedestrian scene where it's just a two-hander, it, you know, they, they, they still managed to move the camera around the space of these apartments in interesting ways. In ways that, yeah, you might see them in music videos. You know, obviously they're so used to creating compelling, uh, beautiful images for quick shots and music videos, and they employ them to the, to the maximum of their ability in this, in, in, absolutely in
1: this. So you have the, the main guy, Milo, who's an architect, and he is so disorganized that he decides to uh, purchase a computer to help him stay organized, mm-hmm. and through... Typical '80s fantasy logic. He spills um, a bottle of champagne onto the computer, and it overloads the the system, and it sort of picks up all of the information possible, even though we didn't have the internet back then. Through some means, I think through the television.
0: What happens is he uh, Miles My- plugs in, dials into his boss's computer, and figures out what his boss's password was, and downloads. All of the memory. That's that's how we determine. It. He, uh, how much memory do you want? Unlimited. I want all the memory. So, um, so the computer, which is which is called uh, Edgar, ends ends up downloading all this memory. And it's after that, once he once he once he has champagne spilled on him, that's when Edgar becomes sentient. And it's it's very silly. It's so eighties. So eighties.
1: Yeah, and Edgar um, starts to develop a crush on uh, Virginia Madsen's character and they start competing for her affections while also Edgar helping Milo to woo her um, by composing music music, because Milo doesn't have any musical ability whatsoever and he's trying to relate to Virginia Madsen's character and um, Edgar has the ability to play music. The tension is whether she will still like him when she finds out that he has been passing himself off as somebody who has the ability to write songs and to connect on that level with her. And there's not really anything much much more to it. And it
0: doesn't quite feel like the rest of the... Of the other teen, you know uh, romance movies that came out not, not that this is a teen romance movie, it's definitely not but it feels apart from the rest of the pack of films around it of that era because of its aesthetic and because it is so slight and it's it's an odd little film that's how I would call it, it's an odd little film I don't know who the lead actor is at all, I've never seen him before I don't think I've seen Lenny von Dolan, isn't that his name before?
1: He was in Twin Peaks. What? Really? And I think because the film was a flop, it didn't really do anyone much favors. I mean, uh, Steve Barron after this, it took a long time for him to get another film made. And the next film that he did do was the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, live action adaptation. What? Um, He also did the Mike Bassett movie. Um, And he's done some TV as well. But, you know, Virginia Madsen talks about that. As the film was coming out, she just had this burst of of popularity and of fame. She got to experience it. She was on magazine covers. They they had a big premiere. But then two weeks after that, the film was gone. And despite it having, you know, a lot of good reviews, like Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs up, um, which was quite substantial back then. It it sort of was in and out of the the cinemas because there were so many titans soaking up all the screens. And it was just, you know, a very competitive year for film. So... It didn't really have any lasting footprint because, you know, once a film had left cinemas in 1984, you didn't get to see it again. You, yeah. So it wasn't until it probably popped up on TV um, many years later that you, you get to revisit a film. Wow. And has this,
0: I wonder, has it become, has it, has it ever achieved a kind of a cult status in any way, shape or form? Or is it like, like for me, I'd never heard of this film before.
1: Yeah, it's got a very high audience score. So it's 71% of Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. There are a lot of comments. If you look it up on YouTube, you'll see a lot of comments about people saying this is one of their favorite films and it's It's a beloved film mm-hmm. by a lot of people. I think you saw it at the time. There's a lot of YouTube retrospectives saying this is the best 80s romantic comedy you never saw, despite it being quite slight, despite it being quite uh, of its time. Yeah. you know The technology is so far behind where we are today it's one of those films if you caught it late at night on tv it would just cast a spell over you and uh, for the summer that we're in i think it's it's a it's a nice little distraction i just found it a very very pleasant film um my
0: because i i uh, my curiosity is lenny is one of the uh, well first of all i want to say virginia madison i swooned watching virginia madison in this film particularly in those moments when she was playing the cello and reacting to the the music she learned to
1: play the cello for this as well
0: ah the reaction shots she gives or the performance she gives and the way she shot my god she is she's so beautiful and uh, there's an there's an energy there's it's not just that she's beautiful there's this wonderful energy emitting from her through the camera I, I can't articulate it it's just so, she's so gorgeous but it's not about she's just beautiful and you understand why Miles and the sentient computer fall for her um, one of the things I really liked about the film well, I wanted to say on.
1: though that she learned to play the cello for the film you know she came into this wow. not knowing how to play it and because you can't double playing the cello because your fingers are right by your face. So you've got to have the the placement, right? I found that really impressive. You know, she took it that seriously. And she mentioned in that retrospective documentary that when the, the moment happens where her cello gets broken, Mm. uh, there's a moment where she's got a big performance uh, coming up and um, she gets into an elevator and the elevator doors close really suddenly and they smash the cello. And one of the messages of the film comes through in that moment, but in order to, to perform that scene, she worked herself up into a tizzy for about 12 hours where she was just sobbing and brokenhearted about the the cello. And she said that when she was at the the premiere and she saw it and it was like, it was three seconds on screen where she's just walking away crying. Hmm. She thought, how self-indulgent was I just to spend the entire day working myself up like that for something that didn't require it? And uh, she was very naive and learning the ropes of, of how to be a, a film actor wow wow but the message in the movie comes true in that moment where having had the the cello broken she has a sort of a, a moment where she has a heart to heart with milo and he tells her that the music that she was playing was coming from her it wasn't coming from the instrument and that's what milo himself has to learn where he is inputting information into the computer about what love is and the computer then is turning that into music. So again, it's his instrument is the computer, and her instrument is the cello. So he comes to learn that it's um, it's what he is feeding into the computer is what the computer is giving back. And I I like that little parallel.
0: Oh wow! You you see you were doing uh, you have a, a slightly different reading of the film than I did, and I I I I like your reading of it because I had a slightly different reading. Um, what I was going to say was a moment that I really liked about the film was the The moment where uh, Virginia Mad- Virginia Madison's character and the computer sync up and do a duet and harmonise for the first time, and I thought it was a really lovely, lovely scene because they they live they live up their neighbours as you said, and they share a vent. So uh, if the vents are open, they can kind of see, hear what's happening in the other department. She's
1: practicing her cello, and do you know why that is? Though not to, to cut across you, but. In America they don't have radiators So everything is central air So it's all about um, air vents mm. And that's how the hot air gets into the house And how the cold air gets into the house ah. So all that the, the homes are sort of connected by vents Interesting but also Uninteresting fact <laughs> It was worse the interruption But I, what
0: happens is, is she Milo, sorry Edgar the computer can hear her playing and is basically learning how to, learning how to speak and learning how to make sounds. He's he's just the computer is just learning the the noises of the world and repeating it back and garbling it. But because he's sentient, he hears her playing. Uh a classical piece of music and he starts to learn it but uh, she responds but very very quickly he starts to harmonise and then starts going off on his own little riffs and the two of them have this lovely lovely duet together this her on the cello and him doing his electrical synth bitty boppy kind of noises and I really thought that was such a, a lovely, lovely, charming moment between between Virginia Madsen and a desktop computer. That's what it was. It was a desktop computer and her, but it, uh, they sold it. I was. Uh, I and was the music sounded
1: way. a little bit like a, a Nokia ringtone. It was, yeah, but hey, it was lovely. There's a moment where Milo asked the computer to write him a love song so he can present it to uh, Virginia Madsen. And when he comes back from this date, they've had this lovely sort of montage date where they, they go to Alcatraz yeah. <laughs> on a date, which is an unusual place to go. yeah. <laughs> but he comes back from the date and he wants to hear what the, the song is. And, you know, the, the, the computer's a bit sassy. And he starts to play the song to him and I bust out laughing. Well, first of all, the computer doesn't understand what love is. So he's he's trying to manufacture it based on what he's learning from TV and things. Mm-hmm. And the computer performs a song for him and one of the lyrics is I love you to bits and I want to see your tits
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and he just told but he's he's he, he's so exploitative of the computer because he's running off for a date and he says look here and he's so presumptuous he, he takes for granted that he's got a sentient computer and because he's going off for a date and he just says uh, here just 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 do another love song just do a love song and put some words with it this time and uh, gives him all these random words and when he comes home it's not a question of oh how did you get on he comes storming in and says right play it for me play it for me give me give me the, 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 the let, let me hear what you've managed to, to fashion for today as if he's
1: just so presumptive that this uh, computer was going to do what he wanted him to do did you know that the, the song, Together in Electric Dreams, was going to pop up in this? Uh, no, 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 I did not. It didn't, it didn't click with me until the very end. It clicked with me the minute I started hearing the Giorgio Morodo music. I was like, oh, this sounds like it's heading in that direction. So I kept waiting for that song to appear. Oh. And I thought at some stage it was, it, it was what he was going to record. But, but of course, it, it, it comes at the very there's end. There's another Electric Dreams song in the film.
0: Like there's like a
1: theme, a theme song. It's got a great soundtrack. Yeah, but it's the it, Culture Club turn up twice in it.
0: That's what, oh yeah, you hear him in the, in the uh, in, in the computer store. There's like a little I can't remember the, the specific song, but I was like, oh, that's Culture Club, like a little Casio kind of version of the song. But can I get onto one of my nitpicks? Because I don't. One of my nitpicks of the film is is the lead actor Lenny, right? Lenny, okay. Lenny for me, Lenny has. He's a, he's a drip, right? He is an architect. He He's kind of bumbling. He doesn't know... He can't get anywhere on time. He's very disorganized. He's... He reminded me of Millhouse. Yes! He's fucking Millhouse. But his voice as well, Kevin. He kind of speaks a bit like this for so much of the movie oh, <laughs> and I was going, oh, is this guy taking the piss? Because I was genuinely going, oh, oh, what? what? This is our kind of male lead and he speaks like that. I don't mean to disparage his voice, but it sounded like a lot of his dialogue was uh,
1: ADR'd or overdubbed uh, because there was this weird... I don't know about that, but Miriam Margulies pops up in this <laughs> yes. and she's definitely dubbed. Yes, she's got an American accent. She plays a ticket girl, yeah, and it's a very high... Pitched uh, American girl accent, and I thought that is definitely not Miriam Margulies's voice. <laughs> but yeah, um, I didn't mind it. I thought you know he suited the he suited this the sort of the wistful dreamer type of uh, vibe they were going for. He's definitely an unconventional type of uh, male lead. But if who else could you put in this that would sort of I don't know would sell the fact that he's communicating with a sentient. Apple computer. I, to me, he feels very much in line with Joaquin Phoenix's character and her.
0: I, I don't know if this is the right uh, alternative casting choice, but I Bill Murray. think if we had John Belushi in the role, <laughs> no, not John Belushi. I think if someone like John uh, Cusack was in the role. John Cusack's a bit too cool, maybe. To oh, he would have been good. But I think, yeah, it, I really and truly think if they had a different actor like a John Cusack in that role, I think I would have really engaged with that character more because from the get-go, he was just so drippy that I found myself a little bit repulsed by him. Now, on the... Oh, Jesus. Well, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. But on the <laughs> other hand, Virginia Madsen... Was so utterly charming and wonderful. She pulled me into the screen. She pulled me through the screen, uh, almost counter counteracting my
1: repulsion towards him. Did you notice that she was tooth timing him? I absolutely did notice that. And they never explained it. There was a guy in the. They're in a quartet, I think. And the other guy is the male lead from Greece Two, played oh, opposite God. Michelle Pfeiffer in, in Greece. Okay. and he has a thing for her. Yeah. And she seems to be just, you know, playing the field. So she's kissing him as well on scenes. And and I thought, that's interesting. That's quite progressive where she's like, she's dating both of them. And we're just only seeing... Can I throw something, at our guy's something
0: out there as well that, that definitely caught my attention on the second viewing? Was, as you just said, she's going. she's been out on a date with, I don't know, He might. his name might have been Billy. She's been out on a date with Miles. And at the end of the date uh she she invites miles to her concert like in a couple of nights on wednesday night we'll say and so oh yeah a, anyway she gives him tickets and she says you've got to come to the concert tonight because i've someone i want you to meet and i'm going who does she want to introduce him to and who she introduces him to is billy the guy the other guy she's dating and i'm going what are you doing? This is the person you wanted him to meet. This is what's what 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 is? Hi, Billy. This is Miles, the the the, the other guy I'm dating this week. So um, you guys should get on wonderfully.
1: I'm going. What's going through her head? Fair play to her. What's going through her? What was going through his head where he took her on a date to Alcatraz? Have you been to Alcatraz? <gasps> yeah, I've been to Alcatraz.
0: Yeah, it's not a place you go on a date to, and you don't have like a meet cute. At one stage, they get locked in solitary confinement. I've been in those cells. It's me fucking too. scary as shit. You just want to get out of there as soon as possible and to go in there for, you know, a, qu- a quick
1: kiss or something. Yeah, It looked exactly the same as well, which I found interesting. Isn't it incredible? Changed a yeah. bit in 30 years. Yeah, I thought San Francisco looked gorgeous. It reminded me mm-hmm. how beautiful San Francisco is. And the music as well, you know. The soundtrack was probably more popular than the film. The film itself, it only made two million at the box office and oh. had a budget of four and a half million. Wow. so it definitely counts as a flop wow, wow! but what were your favorite moments watching it did you have any what like what was your overall vibe because if you didn't like the lead guy
0: yeah the, the overall i was a little bit more mixed on the film than you were kevin no i definitely found it to be charming i found her to be charming i enjoyed looking at it i really you were bored no, I wasn't bored. This is the funny thing, I was not bored because I thought it was such an odd little film as well. I thought what Artie, not odd, Artie. No, it was him. It was him and some of the way he he He's presumptively arty, but he just you reminded went... me of you, Will. <laughs> Oh, I, this, this is your way of just of just getting back at me now because I'm a little bit off on this film. But how presumptive he is of having, first of all, the world's first smart computer. He just goes, okay, uh, uh, brew some coffee, put on the TV. And also he's got a smart door, right? This is one of the things that irritates me, right? He's got a smart door that if for him to get out... He, has, he doesn't have a key, he has to go back to the computer and type in his password, which is First Lieutenant Sulu. But then, right, so he gets out, the, the computer unlocks the door, he gets out. How the fuck does he get back in again? Somehow the door just opens and it's just, I'm like going, when he's on the outside, he, he can't get to the computer to unlock it. Anyway, so it was little things like that that kind of um, threw me off where I was kind of a little bit uh,
1: a little bit more cynical about the film. See, I felt like the, the whole film felt like a dream. And I was just on board with it. It was just dream logic throughout. Where you know the computer becomes sentient because he spills champagne on it. It's not that deep. It's a very shallow film, but that doesn't mean that it's you know in any way uh, unsubstantial. Like some of my favourite sort of it dips in the ocean have been just walking along on the shallow little beach.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> this is a lovely, lovely. You're trying to buy.
1: <gasps> we talk about love. We
0: talk about love declaration scenes, Kevin. Right. And this one has a love declaration scene because we've done an episode on love scenes, right? And I think uh, we did a good analysis of it. I genuinely didn't think the love declaration scene this was up to scratch. I thought it was very poor because, he, as as an arc for a character, which one? The one, the the big climactic one near the end, right?
1: Yeah, Edgar. I think Edgar sums it up quite nicely. He says that love is give, not take.
0: Yeah, and how does Miles enact that? Yeah it's fine saying it but there's none of what there's a lot of platitudes thrown he out he hugs film. the
1: computer <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: a, this was my frustration with the film there were a lot of platitudes thrown out with nice kind of things like you just said he love, love is not given but take but we never see it in action throughout the film we have miles who pretty much takes takes and deceives and in the big
1: kind he of He doesn't deceive her. He's trying to woo her and he's trying to present his best self and he uses the tools at his disposal and one of them is the computer. Right. So you know. I know it's, it's like it's like you suck it in your belly on a date. <laughs> you are not being deceptive. You're just trying to present your best self. So um and she, she agrees with me because she sees that everything he did was with the right intentions and therefore happy with that. He
0: basically does a dramatic run back to, to, to reconcile with her, right? Back to the apartment. Okay? And he meets her in a lovely location outside outside their building on the crest of a San Francisco Hill. And he I've comes walked up, up,
1: to, up that street. Oh, that particular one. Yes. I've walked all oh, over wow. San Francisco. Oh, I've I've been around it as well,
0: man. It's a it's you're gonna go out a puff pretty quickly going up a street. Um but he comes back to say I uh, I've got I've got to confess I've lied to you right I've lied to you but before I tell you what I'm lying about I need to know
1: why why me
0: and she's the one who has to make she doesn't go oh
1: what what are you lying to me about she, she... says I love your smile and I love how I smile when you make me smile yes and I thought that was just poetry
0: <laughs> I like the way you look at the world how you how you care your bricks your drawings. I'm sorry if I can't put it into words. It's not about words. It's about feelings. Miles, for the first time in Dream my life, logic, Will. I feel like I'm not alone, that you're not just someone living beneath me. You're beside me. Even when you're there, it's uh, it, it was like you, even when you weren't there, it was like you were. And, and I was all right, Miles. I guess I love you. And that's what she says to him. But Miles doesn't say I love you to her. Miles doesn't do anything Miles doesn't confess as to what actually has happened yeah because
1: Miles is not a wimp (laughs) (laughs) do you know that Virginia Madsen liked the film so much that she bought the remake rights to it in 2011 and she couldn't get it remade nobody wanted to remake it
0: fucking Spike
1: Jones did it with her not with her he did it with Joaquin Phoenix
0: (laughs) you're such a smart aleck you really are such a smart (laughs) aleck But Kevin, despite my uh, my attitudes and also the film takes a pretty big tonal turn in in the in this in, the, in the, towards the end between in, in regards to the relationship between miles and the computer Edgar where Edgar it, it almost turns into a horror film I have to I have to say I was getting a bit freaked out for moments where Ed, they, Edgar becomes jealous of miles and he starts to act out and it gets freaky
1: freaky in that your fax machine is trying to uh, disrupt your life, telling the cashier that your credit cards need to be cut up. So it's that kind of stuff. It's not really, you know, the net with Sandra Bullock. There's this whole scene, Kevin. There's a whole scene
0: where Miles is trapped in his house, and everywhere he goes, anything, any appliances plugged in is uh, is turning on, and where he's trying to sleep, and it's just like loudly coming on on at night, or the the blender's like whizzing and coming right for him, and it just to me, it felt like a horror film. I was going, Jesus, this is freaky, and uh, I thought that was fun actually.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to oversell it. I just thought it was a, a nice diversion of a film, and you know for a film that i would never would have revisited if not for this episode i was pleasantly transported for 80 odd minutes and taken back to a very beautiful san francisco with a very beautiful virginia Madsen, uh some great music some lovely visuals and that's all i needed out of this i yeah. didn't need to have my mind blown i can understand why it didn't do well especially in that summer. Yeah. When you had on every screen an, an absolute gargantuan hit. So where would it have fit if it didn't immediately just like grab hold of everybody and just make a bucket load of money? It was bound to be, you know, ejected from cinemas and, and sort of not have a, a fair shake of things. But I didn't mind it. And I'm going to say, you know, as we usually do on this, my MVP of this episode would be the music Giorgio Moroto. Wow. My
0: MVP is Virginia Madsen because she was fantastic.
1: My MVP is probably Virginia Madsen.
0: She's gorgeous. <laughs> Kevin, no. Uh, I want to temper my, my what, what might have come across there as me being quite negative about the film because I truly enjoyed the experience of watching this film. This film did not bore me. This film engaged me and engaged me and interested me. I thought I was still. Del- you watched I act- it
1: twice, so it must have.
0: So I genuinely did. I and the second time I watched it, I was kind of chuckling along with the film. Um, once I've gotten, once I'd gotten used to the lead actor's uh, affectations, um, and uh, I, I do think it was a bit of a charming watch. I'm glad I seen it. I too would recommend it if you're looking for something eighties and distracting and romantic and a little. I would say it's an oddity. It's an oddity of a film. It's not offensive, and it's definitely worth a watch.
1: I would say it's eccentric, not okay. wistful, yeah. wistful, arty, yeah. poppy. Yeah, uh, it's it's got a nice vibe to it. It's inoffensive. It's, charming. it's going to just yeah. We're we're what is charming though? It's like it's charming. It's like it's nice. I'm like going oh that made me feel charmed. I was charmed by that. And I know but you don't want to describe a film as just nice as I said on an episode before a lady used to come into the exhibition and ask me my uh, thoughts on a film and the question would be is it nice and it would be for everything <laughs> like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is it nice uh, I don't know if I'd use nice as a word so it's like is it charming it's yeah it's not. Ch- I could not say charming it's uh, diverting but I, can I say another
0: thing yeah. I'm a sucker for 80s music. I'm a sucker for 80s music videos. And this film has at least five 80s music videos and 80s music songs in there. And I enjoyed the heck out of those, especially the final, as you described that final, um, the final kind of music video moment where the song is played and it's full rendition. And uh, I yeah, enjoyed that.
1: Edgar r- r- unleashes all that he's learned into the world in musical form. And it's a song that, uh, where we'll be together forever in electric dreams, and it goes on the radio all across San Francisco. And everybody is just getting their life to it. They're breakdancing, they're doing uh, aerobics, they're doing all the 80s stuff. They're walking along with boom boxes, uh, and they are jaywalking. It's very um, colorful, It's mm-hmm. probably the best way to put it.
0: And I feel it's a movie the film because it, it's it's', it's roots are in Cyrano the Bergerac if it had taken a few more of those beats a few more of those story beats and story cues from the Bergerac it might have it might have had a more interesting not a more interesting it just it just would have benefited from but it, it, it did
1: I think. I think Milo Milo's big hang-up is that he didn't have much of a personality so yeah uh, you know instead of having a big nose he just had glasses said it looked like Milhouse from The Simpsons. He went... <laughs>
0: so what's your distinguishing feature? By the end of the movie, he ended up dying his hair blue. <laughs> and that was his character transformation. <laughs> and like, I wept. I
1: wept. I sh- thought it was beautiful. Okay, well, would you recommend it? I don't even think we need to ask, do we? Yeah, I would recommend it. I would if you're looking oh my for. My God, a, I can't judge this at all. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can't genuinely. I'm not, but I'm not
0: saying this is a good film. In my, I I think this is a quirky film, right? An oddity. And if you're looking for for a, some a, a lost '80s oddity, it's there to be found. And I do think it exudes the warmth that you were describing, the love that they obviously felt felt on set. I just think. It was rough around the edges. I just think uh, narratively it was really rough around the edges. Some of the things needed to be, uh, I think, worked on a little bit more narratively, just for my own satisfaction. And if John Cusack was in it, I think it might be my favorite favorite eighties movie.
1: Roman what? Story. That's uh, I think that's a bit of a joke. I'm going a bit too just far just because of John. Yeah, if John Cusack would be your favorite eighties, okay. I think um, I would have I would have gotten over a lot of
0: my gripes with Milo's character if they had cast it differently. That's what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> I'm just picturing you, know, you watching it with your jaw clenched just going like, oh, for fuck's sake. Just stop, with you? Stop it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of was. <laughs> all right. Well, this was an you? episode and I recommend it. Oh, I, I, I think I said that. You know, they can't all be winners, but I found this pleasant and mildly diverting and very pretty to look at and it's available on YouTube so you can you can check it out for yourself and I found it very sweet how the cast how uh, Virginia and Did Lenny and Lenny speak about their experiences making the film what a, a dream come true experience it was and so many times making movies it is miserable and for them to have this wonderful experience I found it very very sweet and it coloured my entire opinion of the film so I'm happy that they made it and I'm happy that I got to see it so and I so we're agreeing on that alright I'm going to spin the wheel and let's see what you get for next episode right. in two weeks and here we go spinning and it is 1905
0: Oh yay, the year I was no, the year my grandparents. No, 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 no. Were they making movies back then?
1: <laughs> yes, they were. Oh, the Great Train is... Robbery was that year. No, it's nineteen eighty-five, so one year later. Oh, so shit, a week rice. and a year. Okay. Two weeks and a year after this episode. I'm just what result, We'll find out I'm next judges. episode.
0: It's gonna be something God, we have so seen many flops.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. And it's going to be a film that we absolutely love.
0: Yeah. Oh, I know it'll be great. So, yeah, I enjoyed this, Kevin, and I am looking forward to another trip in the Time Machine back to 1985. (laughs) See ya. Bye. Good luck.
1: That was the end of the best bits. And here is a clip
0: from the lad's latest mini bits bonus show the full episode. Plus 100
1: more are available on their Patreon.
0: Fuck off. <laughs> Talk to you, you stupid quits. as fuck
1: Fuck. with Kevin Lee how are you Will I'm excellent how are you I'm grand did you like that theme tune
0: I love that theme tune it might have been my favourite so far (laughs) I
1: think it was as well definitely I'd say it's definitely your favourite
0: hey I was at one of the great Irish traditions at the weekend my niece's communion down at Cork Cork. go on I can't wait well I want to say this right Kevin just slips, limply. (laughs) I said to my, I I said to my daughter, uh, in school on Monday mornings, they do news. What's your news, right? Nudes and bio. And my, my daughter said, she kept my picture up from school and she said, um, I said, did you do your news today? And she says, yeah, but I
1: didn't really get to say much of what I wanted to, to tell
0: him. You know, so she wanted to tell him about the trip down to Cork, like, you know, and as it has... Is this a, just a ploy for the teacher to get all the gossip about the kids? Yeah, I think all the teachers do it. All the teachers get their children to do news on a Monday morning and they just get all the gossip.
1: My mum dad were the head off each other on Saturday night
0: <laughs> and on Sunday they went for dinner to make up. Oh, very good. Carmel,
1: do you have any news? My dad crashed the car,
0: <laughs> Let me tell you, right. So Ellie said to me, she said, "No, nah, I didn't really get to say much, like you know." And I went, "Oh well, thank God, like you know." But then, as it turned out, it turned out she said everything. She was like going, "Oh, we talked about you know your." I, I I said, "Well, thank God you didn't get to tell him about my my shaving foam exploding in my in my changing bag." She says, "Oh, I did get to tell him that." I was like, oh right, okay. Well, did you tell him about, you know, your your cousin, you know, the girl who was getting her communion breaking her leg the night before the communion? Oh yeah, I told her told him that as well. I was like, okay, right. Did you tell him about <laughs> did you tell him so turns out turns out that my God <laughs> <laughs> at the last communion, at the last communion, right? they Had a photographer, a, a photographer came over and took photographs. And right, listen, this, listen, I can see he wants to cut in, but let me just finish this and I'll be, I'll get off it we we we'll start the timer. As we kind of got together for Time a photograph started. with me and my niece, well, hold on, with my niece, right? He drops the camera, right? He drops the camera and he says to me, Love the podcast. Otherwise, what? <laughs> he just, Another fella yeah. said that to you. Well, it was the same guy who said, Remember, I, t- I said two years ago.
1: So he's still listening.
0: Nieces. I don't know if he's Fucking still listening. Oh, well, he sh- said it to me two years ago, so he pr- he's probably not listening anymore. Are we on a delay?
1: I <laughs> <laughs> don't know. I think we might be because we are tripping over each other.
0: Okay, let's let's uh hang up and join it again.
1: How does that sound? This sounds fantastic. <laughs> Welcome to the festivist Patreon! Give us money, 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 give us money. Hello, Will. How are you? Hi, it's good to get I on mic for another mini bits. Yeah. Raw. Ah. Raw. Raw. Does that seem better? That does seem better. Listen, oh, I've okay. seen a load of stuff. Let's start the timer. Okay. I saw Monkey Man. I saw Civil War. I saw Corner, Brian, Must Go. Sugar, mm-hmm. Fallout, Ripley... Steve Martin documentary Tons of Ooh. stuff L- yeah. La- Late Night with the Devil I keep wanting to say Last Night with the Devil Baby Reindeer The Jinx has come back So I want to talk about All of those Would you So that's what we're going to talk about And yeah. for those who aren't On The Patreon Bye bye Good look
0: Tough look look <laughs>